Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining Conversations with Cynthia. I hope that you are having a good afternoon. And if you're listening to it on a podcast, I hope you're feeling very comfortable and relaxed as you're listening to the show. So we are talking this week on happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. You know, we strive for happiness. And it can be kind of a complicated thing. So we talked the first two days of this week on what happiness really is and what it's not. And we really, I want to keep reiterating that happiness is not pleasure. And pleasure-seeking behavior in order to be happy gives you a few moments of quote-unquote happiness but ends up leaving you emptier and oftentimes with a really bad habit. And so we want to be really careful that we don't confuse happiness, joy, and pleasure as being synonymous. So they are different states of being. So we left off yesterday. We're talking about giving up certain things you can give up as a way to be happy. And we left off on giving up the luxury of criticism. Now, that does not mean we are to not be critical thinkers. That doesn't mean that sometimes we might criticize a certain way we are putting something together or a certain thing that is happening. But the criticism that we're talking about is the personalizing it. So it's not, it, it's giving up the need to criticize events or people that are different than you. We're all different. And in many ways, we are all the same. We all want to be happy, don't we? We all want to be loved, and we all want to love, and we all want to be understood. And we all want something, and we always are wishing something for us or others that we love. So the criticism are the things like criticizing the way that someone dressed or criticizing the way that they um, walked through the door, criticizing how they handled maybe their child. It's like, why do we constantly even need to be evaluating everybody else? You know, it goes back to that famous verse of, you know, take the log out of your eye before you talk about the splinter in your neighbors. Because we have this tendency to think that they have a log in their eye and we only have a splinter in ours. And so criticism really steals happiness because it makes for a critical spirit inside of you, which is one that is uh, very inflexible. And this this is a person who's never happy because they always look at what's not right. They always look at what should be, could be, would be, ought to be, if only then. And then that leads, that criticism leads into judgment. And that's serious. Because now I'm criticizing what you're doing, and then I'm judging who you are. So I'm saying something like, can you believe they bought into that timeshare? So I'm criticizing that they did it, 
And then my next statement usually is, they must be idiots. How stupid can they be, right? This is, this is horrible. It brings such ugliness to the atmosphere. And it ushers in the enemy. You, you give him like an airplane hanger, you know, the, that level of availability into your life when you do that. Because he loves criticism, especially leading to judgment. So we are not talking about not having a critical eye. We want mechanics to have a critical eye. We want them to really be critically thinking and looking very critically at our car as they're fixing it because we want it to be safe. But we don't need them to criticize the type of car we bought, right? Just because maybe it's not their preference. So very important that you be careful and listen to how critical you are. Criticizing the person next to you in line and then judging them. So let's think of this next one. This is a really helpful one to do in order to really make sure you can be happy. And this is to give up your need to impress others. Stop trying so hard to be something. You are something. You don't have to try to be something. You're something so important that God laid his life down for you. Whether others get that or not, that's their own struggle in their own life. Everyone is struggling. This is a really tough place to be down here. See, the moment you stop trying so hard to be something, especially trying to be something you're not, when you take off all those masks, the moment you accept and embrace the real you, you will find that people are so drawn to you, and it's effortless. They'll feel a change in energy, because you won't be trying to get something from the external world. That means you're going out into the world as a taker and not a giver. See, when I get over myself, and I don't feel like I have to impress everybody so that everybody likes me so that then I feel good about myself, that puts undue pressure on relationships and people. They have enough of their own pressure. So when I'm making sure that I'm just going to be the best version God made me to be, he did not ask my permission or for my opinion as to how he, want to make, how he wanted to make me. I'm a work of art. You're a work of art. I'm a created being. That means that a creator had an idea and created me. The painting doesn't get to tell the painter what it wants to look like, right? So we can't judge others. They didn't ask to be made the way that they were made. They're having to deal with how they're made just as much as you are. And God is very happy with how he has made people. He's not necessarily always happy with what they do with what he made. But he is very happy with how he made you. So stop trying so hard. Just relax. Enjoy who you are. Maybe you're a quirky person. Maybe you're an introverted person. Maybe you're a neurotic person. Well, join the club. I'm quirky. I'm neurotic. I'm, I'm different. I'm all those things. And you know what? I need to accept who I am. Because when I accept it, then I can really be it and be it well. And then I can be a blessing to others. So this is a really good one. And this will, goes hand in hand with everything that we're talking about. And that is give up your resistance to change. See, I'm asking you to change. 
in a couple of weeks we did a whole entire series on change. And so this is what you want to think of. Change is good. Change helps you move from A to B. Change helps you make those improvements in your life and in the lives around you with others. And change is important. This is why when God is saying, we change the things we can and we accept the things we can't. So he doesn't want to change me. He doesn't want me to change who I am. He wants me to be the best version of that. And so what I really make sure that I do is I change the things that need to be changed. And I accept the things that are not to be changed. And I ask for wisdom to know the difference. So maybe you need to change not being so critical. Maybe you need to change the fact you have a habit to gossip. Maybe you need to change the fact that you're so mean to yourself, so critical of yourself. You have a critical, very critical inner world. Maybe you need to change that you put so much pressure on yourself, that you're a workaholic. These things need to change. Maybe you need to change that, that you kind of are, are insecure and so you come across as judgmental. Or maybe you're overly hard on people because you're so hard on yourself. Think about those things that need to change and not through the light of condemnation, but through the light of learning. We're all learning if we're willing to learn because we're either learning really good things and those are becoming habits or we're learning really bad things and those are becoming habits. So not resisting change is your willingness to learn and to take risks. I mean, some things that I have, I have attempted to change didn't work and I had to find a new way. And some of it, through the process of trying to change and it never working, I realized, oh, maybe this isn't going to change. <laughs> maybe I just need to accept this one. So the more that you come from this, from a direction of positivity, that first and foremost, the foundational issue is you are deeply loved, you are deeply wanted, and you are of great value. This is why I, I tell clients, listen, humans are so valuable that how much trouble does the prison get in if they don't execute a serial sadistic killer appropriately, right? We just had one a, a year and a half ago, I believe, that the guy was being executed and it took him 20 minutes to do it because something was wrong with the drugs. And they got in so much trouble. Okay, this is a serial killer that has done horrible, heinous things to children. Firemen run into burning buildings to save someone that's a murderer. This is how valuable you are. You are not either of those. So this is why we want to make sure that we are understanding change is just a part of learning how to be me. That's all it is. So give up labels. Stop labeling yourself. Unless it's a very positive one. Like, I'm a smart person. I'm a loving person. I'm a kind person. But stop doing these labels, you know, about people or events that you probably don't even understand or that's different than you. There's a lot of things that are weird to me that are not weird to others. And there's things that I do that people think would be very weird. But they don't have to label me negative, negatively. 
And Wayne Dyer has this great saying. He says, the highest form of ignorance is when you reject something you don't know anything about. <laughs> I love that. The highest form of ignorance is when you reject something you don't know anything about. So we want to be very careful about labeling and not labeling yourself and maybe coming out of agreement with how you have been labeled. And I tell this story quite frequently. When I was growing up, um, I, I'm adopted, and so I was very, very, very different than my family. And I had undiagnosed ADHD, and I was very creative. I was singing and dancing and drawing and drama and all kinds of things, very active. I was a, a gymnast and a diver and a swimmer and all these things that were very different than my than my mom and dad, who were very educationally oriented and loved education and are extremely, they're very intelligent people, very highly educated and very successful. But I did not fit in this family, you know, and when I got to high school, my number one goal was to be a cheerleader. That's all I wanted to be. I didn't care about my grades. Nothing in school interested me. And it drove my parents crazy. Well, what happened, because I'm also kind of sweet, and I laugh a lot, and I'm, I'm a performer. What happened was I got this label of being a ditzy, dumb blonde. So I was always the dumb blonde. And this stuck with me for quite some time. And this was a label that I had to really understand did not fit me, because for, for a while, I believed it. I thought I really was maybe dumb and ditzy. But as I started to grow up and understand myself more, and God started revealing more to me. And then they realized I had ADHD, and very profoundly, actually, so that I'm easily bored. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't really take my attention, then I have a hard time attending to it, which can look ditzy. And so my parents used to say to me, you know, they called me Cindy then, Cindy, you, you scored at four years old, almost like genius, brilliant. What happened? All you want to be is a cheerleader. Well, things have changed dramatically, obviously. But it took me a while to come into my own. And, and so intellectually, I was way, way farther along in my age than I was. But developmentally, I was not. I was younger. And so it took some time for it all to coalesce. And I had a lot of labels that I had to not buy into. But they were tough to not believe. So you want to really give up on labels and however it is you label yourself. I don't want you to label yourself in any other way than what is true. So I can label myself as a psychotherapist. That's what I am. I am a radio host. That's what I am. I can label myself as being intelligent. That's what I am. But these are just qualifiers. They're just simply identifying, the same as we say cheetahs have spots. We're not judging a cheetah for having a spot. We're saying cheetahs have spots. So the labels qualify. But when the labels are done out of ignorance or selfishness or jealousy or deceit or an attempt to manipulate, or out of criticism, out of judgment. These are things that upset God greatly. So give up on labels, unless they're positive. Let's look at this one. Give up on your fears. 
some people are more fear-based than others, and some people are, are fearful of uh, one thing where you're not fearful of that. They're afraid of this, you're not afraid of it. So fear, in many ways, is an illusion when we're talking about it as an emotion. Certainly, fear would be necessary if somebody's holding a gun to my head. That would be a really good, good um, feeling for me to have. That would be good information for me. But fear about things that are from insecurities, that are from being labeled, right? That are from judgments you've placed on yourself, that are because you don't know a certain type of a person. You've never been to a certain country. You've never visited a certain restaurant. Fear of being rejected. See, these things, we want to correct the inside so that the outside falls into place. So we want to make sure that if we have fear, that the fear appears because of an incident, not that we are walking in fear, and that we are afraid before anything dangerous has ever happened. We want to be very brave people. We want to recognize that your body is hardwired to protect you. So if there is true eminent danger, it will fire up and your brain will go into alert and it will figure out very quickly how to get you out of the situation. You don't have to always be on guard and fear-based because something might or might not happen. That's like a person walking around with a loaded gun pointing it at everybody because they're afraid that someday somebody might have one and kill them. That would be ridiculous and it would also be unsafe for everyone because it would make everybody else on alert. So think about this. Giving up your excuses, and this is, this is a big one. One of the best ways to be happy, give up all the excuses. Send them packing, tell them that they're fired. You don't need them anymore. A lot of times we limit ourselves because of the many, many excuses that we use. And instead of growing and working on improving ourselves and our lives, we get stuck lying to ourselves, using all kinds of excuses. And excuses that 99.9% .9 of the time are not even real. Like, I'm not going to go out because nobody likes me anyways. So my excuse is I don't, I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be rejected. So I won't even try. Give up, on, give up on whatever it is the excuse is. Oh, I can't go back on a diet because I failed every single time. So that's my excuse. My excuse is um, my body doesn't lose weight as quickly as most people do. My excuse is I could never learn how to play the piano because my family's not musically inclined. What is your excuse? What excuses are you using to not live your life? What excuses are you depending on and creating so that you don't have to show up and be the best version of you? What excuses are you giving for bad behavior? That's a really important one. We all have bad behaviors. And if, we're, if there's anything decent in us, we're all trying to overcome them too. But what are the excuses that you give yourself for lying? How do you excuse yourself for speeding? How do you excuse yourself for not paying your bills? 
How do you excuse yourself for not tithing? How do you excuse yourself? So remember, we don't want the enemy to confuse, to cause us to allow there to be confusion about the difference between an excuse and love, patience, perseverance, forbearance, understanding. See, I can understand why I do something wrong many times, but I can't give myself an excuse for it. I can give myself forgiveness. So I would much rather you forgive yourself than make excuses for yourself. It's just very demeaning to you. And let's look at this, this next one. Give up your past. Give it up. Give up the past. I know, I know it's hard, especially when the past looks better than the present and the future looks a little frightening. Or let's give up the past, if you, because humans have a tendency to glorify the past. We, we always do. We, there's studies and studies and research upon research about how great we all thought the past was. And I'll give you a great example of this. I, I grew up, I was a teenager in the 80s, and it was, oh my gosh, it was a great time. It, seriously, it was. And I can, rom- I can romanticize the 80s. And the studies about what our brains do, which is fascinating to me. And I'll show you how I found out I romanticized the 80s a little bit. I was, um, it was a Saturday, and I had a whole bunch of office work to do, and I don't really like doing office work. So I thought, hey, I'll watch a movie. That'll kind of distract me a little bit and kind of a little reward for doing some work that I don't really want to do and keep me in place long enough to do it. So I'm going through different movies and Saturday Night Fever. I was like, oh my gosh, Saturday Night Fever. I love that movie. All of me and my friends went to that movie. It was so meaningful. And I had all these positive feelings about it and so nostalgic. And I thought, hey, that would be that would be a fun thing to watch while I'm doing this. Well, I'm telling you, 10 to 15 minutes into the movie, I couldn't watch it. I was I was appalled. There was F-bombs dropped every other sentence, which I did not remember. There was suicides. There were terribly beating everybody up. Nobody's families were good. Everybody was doing drugs. I mean, it was a shock to my system to go, I romanticized the past. How fascinating is that? So don't let your past steal from a great future. And don't let your past be unresolved so that it keeps living in your present, because if that's the case, it then steals your future from you. So we're coming close to the end here. And I want you to really concentrate. Think about these things. Think about what I've said and how this can help us really be the person God has called us to be, one that we actually can enjoy as well. So this last thing I want you to think about is giving up an attachment. How attached are we to certain things that we don't want to move on from? We don't want to grieve the fact that it, that, that life of it may be over. And so we end up getting very attached to things, ways of doing things, ways that the world should be, ways that we should be. And it causes us to be inflexible and we don't get to enjoy all the new things that God is bringing. And attachment comes from a place of fear, while love, pure love, selfless love, doesn't have fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. God bless you today. I so appreciate you listening. 
and putting this into, into practice, and I know you're going to get it. Have a wonderful day, and I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. God bless you in your day. Make sure you check out the website, and thank you for your presentation on social media. Thanks, Jeremy, for a great job. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.